0: Well good morning. So glad you're with us at South City. Last week was a blast, wasn't it? Celebrating our resurrected Savior. And I don't know about you, but I had a pretty good lunch. That, that always makes Easter wonderful as well. Uh, just good to see friends and family. Um, I want to just tell you that our students were away uh, this weekend some for a youth fest and God really did some amazing things in them. We had one student that received Jesus. And other students that are, that are thinking about their spiritual life. It's beautiful. So, it's just a, a good thing. I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing in our church and our students. Uh, if you haven't been with us and you don't know, we've been in a series in the book of Ephesians for a few months, and we're today starting the final chapter of Ephesians. And we're going to talk about godly families. You know, the thing we need to remember as we kind of get back into the series and back into the conversation in Ephesians is that Paul is trying to help us. Uh, understand what it means to be saved, what it means to live as a believer in a crazy culture, in a crazy world. He said some things like, we don't, we don't look like we used to look. We need to look different. We need to put on Christ. We need to, to be in Christ. He's talked to us about uh, the church. He's talked about uh, gifts in the church, leaders in the church, maturing as believers in the church. He's talked about loving one another, caring for one another, being forgiving He's even said that we need to submit to one another. It's kind of like the (laughs) the final straw, man. When you love somebody, really love somebody, you can come to the place where you can submit to them. And so as we get to these texts, even the one we talked about two weeks ago about marriage, that text really flows underneath the general idea of of general submissiveness. We submit one to another as believers in Jesus, Ephesians 5.21 says. So as we get into these texts that really are specific to our homes, to our marriages, to our children, uh, parenting, even how we work and and, and how we care for employees and employers, this is something that we need to understand. It's about this general submissiveness and allowing Jesus to shine through our lives as a result of who he is in us, right? So uh, I want to just mention that this section of Scripture, uh, the end of chapter 5, into to, uh, chapter 6, first half of chapter 6, is what a lot of theologians call, uh, well, they call it the household order. It was kind of coined by Martin Luther. Um, he called it the Hostoffel, which is a German word for, for household order or, or household rules or table order, table rules. It's, it's literally like the Apostle Paul was looking at a house and he went, okay, who's in the house? Well, wives, husbands, children, servants, He literally just looked at a house and said, this is how these people should relate to one another based on who they are in Jesus. And so that's what's wonderful about this whole book is Paul's trying to help us understand this is who we need to be. This is how we live in the world. This is how we live in the church. This is even how we live in our homes together to be effective, to be honoring of Jesus and the design that he's given us for the home. So there's other texts that you need to know that are, that are considered part of the household rules. This is not, It's not only uh, the end of chapter 5 in Ephesians, the beginning of chapter 6, also Colossians chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, all speak of the same sort of rule, same sort of order and God design in our homes. And what's cool about those different letters is that they give us a little bit different take on each thing. I'm even going to mention some of that this morning. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago the first part of these household order that that Paul's speaking to. And he's speaking to our marriages, right? Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands, respect them. And uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and even as you love your own body. So we again, it comes under this general submissiveness and order of families. And when husbands are truly following the design of marriage, They are loving and giving and sacrificial. They'll do do everything to care for their families, for their wives, to lead them to Jesus, to serve them, to be a blessing to them. And when things are working well in in a godly home, wives are submitted to their husbands and children submitted to their parents. There's an order. There's there's something that God has designed in how the world is supposed to work in authority. God is our ultimate authority, right? Right? And then he's given different order. We have order over us as a government that he has put in place. We submit to our government authorities. We we have order in the church, and we have leaders in the church that we submit to called elders. We have order in our home, and we have uh, husbands that we submit to as, as, as wives and children. And husbands, who do you submit to? Jesus and other men. And the body of Christ. So there's this, this interconnected submissiveness that we see Paul speaking of as part of the design of God for the home. So today I want us to kind of, you see Paul moving from wives, husbands. He's moving into this conversation to children and to parents, specifically to fathers. So if you have your Bible this morning, open it up with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to hit the first four verses. Ready? It says this, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Pray with me this morning. Father God, thank you for your word. God, I'm so thankful for your word that it not only gives us the truth of who you are and our, shows us our great need for you. It shows us our sinfulness and it shows us our Savior. But God, I'm so thankful also that, that you are equipping us as believers in different areas of life, even this area of our home, areas of our church, areas of, of different specific things that we walk through all the time in life. You are helping us understand your design, and you are helping us understand what it means to live in this abundant life of Jesus. So ultimately, Jesus, today we we submit to you. That is our heart. God, we want to submit to your word and your design. So I pray that you would take this word, that you would by your spirit lead us to all truth. I pray that in this time, God, that I would decrease and you would increase. That you would be glorified in what is said and taught here. And Lord that you would give us the courage to be obedient to it. We love you, we give you this time in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you're a child today, raise your hand. Kind of a trick question. Everybody ought to be raising your hand. Some of you' are just like, "Nope. You are a child. You're somebody's child. That's how it works right? You are somebody's child. And the cool thing about that is no no matter how old you are this morning, no matter if your parents are still living or not, there's a way for you still to be obedient to this command. And so this, this is a universal across the board for believers. We can all learn something today about what it means to be obedient and honoring of our parents. Paul's desire is that godly, healthy families would be what the church is made up of. You've heard us say this phrase all the time, that we're a family of families, right? We're a big family of a bunch of smaller families. And the desire is that these smaller families honor Jesus and live in the, in the design that God has given us. And when we do, we can actually have healthy families, healthy children, healthy churches, healthy communities, right? That, that's the concept. Sadly, that, as Lori mentioned this morning in the introduction, that, that's going away, and it's that much more important for us as believers to listen to God's word this morning and say, God, how do we change that? How do we see uh, our families and our children and our lives be more effective and obedient to you so that we can see this order that you want to give to our homes and to the church? Let's look at the very first thing that, that Paul speaks of here in chapter 6. He says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. right. So we're going to see a couple of things. As he speaks these commands, he's going to speak what to do, and then he's going to follow it right up with why we should do it. Okay, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. The what is the obedience part. Why? Because it's right. The Greek word here for, for, um, for parents or to, I'm sorry, to obey is actually to listen under. I think that's interesting. Parents, I know you've heard this before. It's come out of your mouth. It's come out of your parents' mouth. If you would just listen to me. I, don't know, I probably said it several times this morning, right? We say it a lot. If you, would you just listen? If you had listened to me, does that sound familiar? Kids, what we're basically saying is, if you would have obeyed me. As children, to obey means to bring yourself underneath your parents' order and authority, and listen. And The Bible talks about when we listen, it's not just something we hear, it's something we hear and do. That's what the Bible means when it says that we should hear or listen. So to listen under is to place yourself under the authority of your parents, hear what they're saying, and actually do it, right? It's kind of like Nike, just do it. What they said, do it, be obedient to it. But I want you to notice it says here in, in this text, children, obey your parents in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I think you could have a couple of different directions we could take that. One is, you are, if you're a believer in Jesus, or even if you're not, really, you should be submitted and submissive, not just to your parents, but to the Lord. When you obey, you may just see mom and dad. You may disagree. You ought to be able to look through mom and dad and see that there's God of the universe behind mom and dad, Right? So when you submit, when you obey, it's not just about obeying mom and dad, you're obeying the God of the universe. You're submitting to them, you're listening to them, you're obeying them, yes, but you're also obeying God. So that's an important thing to see. The second thing that you can see this is that uh, it says, in the Lord. And so when you think about if there's something maybe a parent, and I pray this doesn't ever happen, much but it does happen some so I want to mention it if a parent ever asks you to do something tells you to obey them that is not in the Lord that is disobedient to God's word that is sinful that is illegal you don't follow that command okay because you follow the Lord sadly there's some parents that, that make mistakes and well we all make mistakes all parents make mistakes but some cross this line into sinfulness, and they expect their kids to be obedient to something that is not God-honoring. So children, understand, we don't follow our parents in sinfulness, we obey God. We obey our parents as long as it is through the Lord. It makes perfect sense, right? This is not easy, but it's what we have to do as obedient children. And I, can I just say, uh, especially our students, listen this morning. Listen to what God is trying to speak to you because I think there's not only some benefit, but it's a beautiful thing that you'll take into your maturity of your life. Just listen with wisdom this morning. Look at Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. It says, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. I love that combination. Your father's instruction and your mother's teaching. They're so equally needed for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants around your neck. One time, Lori and I went to Hawaii. I was singing on different islands there. And we got off the plane, and the lady put the lay over our neck. I was like, whoa. Felt like the honored guest, you know. It's like you're walking around with these fresh flowers around your neck. You felt very honored. That's kind of what we ought to have when, as children as we grow up in maturity in the Lord. And, and this is what I feel about how my parents raised me. I'm proud of who I am because of who they are. Because of how they raised me, the things they taught me, the discipline. And trust me, I had some of that too. I'm, I'm thankful for all those things. They're, they're like something that I can be proud of to take into my uh, maturity of my own life because this has made me who I am. Notice that the text says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now what's interesting about that, it may sound like well, this is a biblical command, so maybe it has something to do with the Bible. It's not really a legal thing about being right. It's more about about a natural thing. In other words, when you think of it this way, every culture on the planet, everywhere, expects their children to obey and respect them. Isn't that interesting? Every every parent, uh, I like the way John Stott puts it. He says, whether they're pagans or moralists or Greek or Roman Stoic philosophers, they all expect their children to obey and respect them. That's just sort of the the order of of the natural order of life. Paul even speaks to when you get outside of that sort of natural order in Romans 1, and he speaks about this this, uh, downward spiral of sinfulness. Interestingly enough, right in the middle of that downward spiral of sinfulness, they were disobedient to their parents. (laughs) It's a big deal. It may not seem like, and I know know when I I was listening and thinking through this this uh, week, I thought through several times where I was uh, not kind or loving or obedient and convicted in my heart of the things that I did against my parents or grandparents or whatever the case may be. It's not not a small thing to be disobedient to our parents. God has given us this uh, command not only to obey but also to honor. I've got a friend who, uh, and I just want to speak this to our parents no matter how old you are. I, I'm not sure when this is supposed to end. <laughs> There's different cultural realities, I think. But I think as Americans, we kind of think, well, as a parent, when my, my kid turns 18, maybe that's when I stop worrying about so much about their obedience and some, stop worrying so much about my influence. Or maybe it's when they get married. The Bible does say that, that men, we need to leave and cleave our mom and dad, and, and, and leave our mom and dad cleave to our wives. So maybe it's independence in our marriage, but can I just say something as a child? uh, Don't stop being a parent. You never stop being a parent. In fact, I would say we want to hear from you. Yes, there's a difference in the relationship. Something changes and there's a respect in the sense that this is a a mature adult and I have to let them make their own mistakes and things, but don't stop parenting. Parenting. I think there's a mistake in our culture where we think we have to just stop I have a friend one of my dear friends his name is John summer his father Carl summer he's an amazing man uh, he's 90 year old 90 year old 90 years old he still does a hundred push-ups every day he still prays several hours a day he's a godly man but one of the things I most uh, respect about this man is that he's still parenting his family they come together all uh, he has five kids and they bring all their crew I mean you can imagine and if there's a weirdness between a brother and a sister hey hey what's going on here what do we need to do y'all come to my office y'all come to my house we're gonna he stays involved in the issues of life he knows that they have their own lives he knows that they have their own families he respects that but he's still involved because he's still a parent I see nothing in scripture that says that you stop parenting so just because it may be an American culture, just oh, let them go. Don't let them go. Be involved. Continue to pray for your children. Continue to be asking questions and offering advice and, and helping where you can. We need it, okay? Here's the second thing Paul says to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Again, what's the what? Honor. What's the why? Well, the first why is it's a command of God. This is not Paul's suggestion. This is Paul reminding us of God's commandment, the fifth one, actually. Honor your father and mother. And what's interesting about this commandment is that it does come with a bonus. It really does. It's one thing to have a commandment. We need to obey God because he has commanded us to obey our parents and honor them. But it does come with a bonus, and the bonus is that God wants to bless our lives as a result of that honoring. And give us the sustainability, this longevity in life. I I just think that's the coolest thing. Uh, Again, this is not one with an age limit. Even if your parents have passed away, you can still honor your parents. How you live, how you speak of them, how you remember them how you thank God for their influence in your life, all those things are still honoring your parents. I also don't think this is some kind of magic loophole here in this, in this commandment that offers us these incredible things. I just think there's some practical realities that come with this uh, commandment. Look at what Kent Hughes says, a theologian. He says, a child who obeys his parents will regularly be warned from harm's way. He or she will experience fewer accidents and less physical trauma from such things as high places and sharp objects. An obedient child will be spared the bad habits and bad friends that tend to ruin and shorten life. A child who obeys and honors his or her parents will prosper in that. Such a person will be far more likely to develop healthy character traits, whereas a disobedient child is much more likely to develop harmful patterns. I just love the... the, the everyday wisdom in that. As children, as we honor our parents, it's just going to make sense. We're going to, we're going to listen a little bit more. We're going to follow their direction a little bit more. It's probably going to protect your life. It's probably going to protect your character, right? There's a reason your parents love you and are trying to guide your life in big ways because of how much they messed up their own. I don't know how many times Lori and I talk about, oh, Lord, just don't be like us, <laughs> you know. Please, Lord, help us do a better job uh, than what we did with our own lives. Help us to teach. I think it's funny. I, parents, I know you'll get this, but I think it's funny how God sometimes allows um, a little discipline. When you're trying to tell your kids to obey in some way, right? My youngest, she loves to flip over the back of the couch. So I don't know. It's like a parkour thing. I don't know what it is. Parkour. But she jumps over the back of the, house, of the couch. And I'm like, Jovi, stop, don't do that. You may jump over the back of the couch again. I'm like, Jovi, you're going to hurt yourself, right? Stop. A little bit later, she's forgotten. Jumps over the back of the house. Oh, oh, my back. I'm like, that. it's okay to laugh at that moment. If they're not severely hurt, you can laugh at them at that moment. I think that's in here somewhere. Uh, have, it's okay. But, you know, so it's always kind of this funny thing where you're like, I told you so. I tried to tell you, you know. Listen, listen. So then Paul turns his focus from us as children, our need to obey and to honor our parents to fathers. Does that catch you interestingly when you read this text and you go, fathers? Where are the moms in this picture, right? Do moms have no part in raising children in uh, discipline and instruction? (laughs) Of course they do. In fact, the Greek word here for fathers is used in Hebrews 11.23 for both parents. But there's a reason that it was translated fathers. So yes, it can include both, and it does, right? We we know that it takes moms and dads to raise children, especially to raise children in the ways of the Lord. But I I don't want to miss here the focus that there's something Paul and the Lord are trying to say to us as fathers. We're not in this role of of discipleship and training and parenting alone, but we are responsible for it. Does that make sense? We don't do it alone, but we are responsible for it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Guys, this is on us. This is our responsibility, and sadly, our culture shows the brokenness of this uh, design of God. 80% of African American children live separated from their biological fathers. 60% of Hispanic children live separated from their biological fathers. 50% of Caucasian children live separated from their biological fathers. Isn't that tragic? And it's obvious that we see what's happening as a result of this broken down nature of the family. We're seeing it. We're seeing things crumble, society in ways. Wh- why are people acting the way they act? There's no father figure. The design has been broken. And we're seeing it in our culture, in our country, all the time. Men, can I just say something? If you're a father this morning, I want to say this in as loving but as strong a way as I can know your mandate. Know your mandate. Know what God has called you to as fathers. He's called you to lead your home. He's called you to lead your family with strength and godliness, humility, understanding that God is holding you accountable for how you raise and disciple your family. It's on us. That's on us. Paul, first of all, mentions, he says, Don't provoke your children to anger. I was studying through this, I honestly got convicted as I was thinking about the different times I've I've disciplined my children. Because when I think about times that I've disciplined my children, and men, you tell me if you've ever said these these phrases, right? Oh, they're going to know who's boss. You ever heard that? Oh, they won't talk to me that way. Does that sound familiar? They're going to learn to obey one way or another. Even as I, I say those things, and I've, as I've studied through the week, I realize how often my discipline of my children has been more about me and my ego than caring for my children. And girls, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Parenting is not about us. It's not about us. It's about our children. Men, we have to learn to to motivate our kids differently than power and fear and control. And I know it's difficult to separate some of these things, right? How, how How do we lead with strength and yet not with power and fear and control? I want you to notice that as we read this text The understood reality here is that there is a relationship with Jesus, that the children obey their parents in the Lord, and that fathers and mothers, we raise our children in instruction and discipline in the Lord. This is about a relationship with Jesus. We need to help them see this commandment. We need to help them understand the relationship to God in their disobedience, not just in their disrespect of us. And how often has our discipline with our children been more about us than them? It's been, more, it's been about some respect issue we feel like we need instead of how to discipline and bring our children before the Lord and raise them in the way that God would have us care for them and raise them. I, I want us to see something this morning. We often raise our children by how we've been raised, right? When we take our kids home from the hospital, they didn't hand me the the awesome godly father book and I get to go, hey, that's actually the Bible. That's the Bible. And so what happens is we begin to raise our children the way we've been raised. And whether that's really good, I think my parents did a really great job. They're not perfect, but they did a great job, I think. Or whether it's your parents did a poor job, and maybe you lived through abuse and and neglect or whatever the case may be. The reality is we need to raise our children not how we've been raised, but how the Bible says we should raise our children. It's different. There's a submission to who we're to be through God's word. But what happens is we kick back to the tapes of how we were raised. And my father wouldn't have let that pass, so I better not let that pass. My mom did this when that happened, so I better do this, right? That's how we typically parent. And what I'm feeling, friends, and what I'm seeing in God's word is we need to understand this is not about us. It's not even about our upbringing. It's about God's word. Friends, I I just want to say this. Don't let the dysfunction of your parents continue to wreak havoc on your children. Stop the generational brokenness by surrendering to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying all your Our our families were broken and messed up and had bad parenting. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if, if you had that in your upbringing, stop the curse now. Do you remember last week we talked about the resurrection power of Jesus? Remember that? How regardless of how you were raised or regardless of what you walked through or regardless of what happened in your life or addiction you may have had, God wants to change your soul. He wants to change who you are. He wants to use the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead to change your identity, to change the makeup of who you are. And friends, he can do that in our parenting. We don't have to be the children of our parents in some way that, that raised us in some negative sense. No, we can look to God's word for who we are to be. We can look to God's word for how we're to raise our children. And even as I've been thinking and convicted through this text, And I love my children. I realize that there have been times it's been more about me than leading them to Jesus. Can I just encourage you, you know, most of the time when when the potential is there for us to cause our our kids to be provoked to anger, it's usually in a discipline moment. And I just encourage us as parents, when that moment is, is heated and you're tempted to show them who's boss, you're, you're tempted to, to show that power, moms and dads, take a take five-minute break. We're going to talk about this in just five minutes, but dad needs to go pray. We're, we're going to continue this conversation, or whatever this is, <laughs> and mom's going to go spend some time with Jesus before I deal with you, Okay. Because I want my heart to look more like his heart than my heart. And we get in trouble when we start operating out of our hearts instead of his. Take five minutes and don't provoke our children to anger. Or, or the, the sister verse in Colossians says, Don't provoke your children to discouragement. Have you ever gone too far and your kids are either just angry or discouraged? he says don't do that take five minutes step back lead them to jesus don't prove a point about you and your ego paul was encouraging fathers to love and gentleness with their kids let me show you where well first of all i to show you a context uh, the roman culture did not value women very much they didn't value children very much in fact Fathers had the ability, if they didn't want a child after it was born, they could take it and put it on the trash dump. And that's where somebody would come and take that child and they would enter it into prostitution. Or they would take that child and it would become a gladiator or a slave. So if a father wanted to just not have a child, he could do that. Not unlike abortion today. This doesn't fit my life, so let's just go take care of it. Right? Same evil that exists in us that existed in them. This is who Paul is speaking to, contextually. He's speaking to these men that that this is their law, this is their ability. Even as a child grows up, if the father doesn't have a heart, he can make his child work in chains in the field. Or he can, if they get in a disagreement, he can kill that child with no repercussion in Roman law. So Paul's speaking to these men, he's saying, love your kids. In the Lord. Raise them in the Lord. And he says, he says this phrase, bring them up, right? Bring them up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. This is a Greek phrase that, that we saw in chapter 5 when, when he was talking to us about our wives, husbands with our wives. When he says, husbands cherish and nourish your wives, it's the same phrase in the Greek. Bring them up. So, fathers, what do we do? We cherish and nourish our children as we discipline them. They need discipline. Nothing drives me crazier than being in a restaurant. We were just in a restaurant not long ago, and this child was saying things to his parent. I was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't hardly. It's like, you know, me and my child would have been in, in the bathroom with a little spanking, right? They would have learned something in that moment. It was awful. Children need discipline. They need it. This is not something we need to withhold from. It is actually giving them something they need. They need discipline. They need us to be serious about correction. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, I'm I'm not saying that your discipline has to be some punishment with a rod or something else, but discipline needs to happen. Whether it's timeout, whether it's in the corner, whether it's a little spank, whatever the thing is, those are all different appropriate things at different ages. But what is not uh, okay is for you to not discipline your children. That's not okay. Hebrews 12 talks about how God disciplines us as our heavenly father. And he says, I discipline you as a heavenly father in the same way an earthly father disciplines his son because he loves him. We love our children. And I'll tell my children that sometimes when I have to discipline them. I have to do this because I love you. I love you. And you need to know truth and you need to surrender to that truth. But it's done in love, I pray. You know, it seems to me that discipline is easier than instruction. Because discipline seems to be reactionary, right? Your kid does something and you're like, oh, all right, you're in trouble. Now you've got to discipline in a way. Whereas instruction... That's harder because it actually means you're going to have to take some intentionality. We've got to talk about this as husband and wife. How are we going to instruct our kids? We're going to have to not watch that show. We're going to have to have this Bible study and, and use this time. We're going to have to, you know what I mean? Instead of it just being a reactionary thing that may or may not happen, instruction ought to be something that happens on a regular basis in your home. We're called to discipline our children, but we're also called to disciple our children, I, I want to say this, and just to be clear, I've said it before the church loves your children. Last week, we got to uh, commission, no, thank you, dedicate nine babies. Small kid, it was beautiful. I love it. And when we do that, I love how we do it because we're saying, partners, or you're gonna help us raise and disciple these children in the Lord. And the partners say, we will. And the parents say, we will. It's this beautiful moment. But guess who's responsible for discipling the children? It's not the church. It's you, parents. We help. We're here. We want to love. We want to aid. I want you to aid in the the discipleship of my children. I'm so grateful for Heidi and Mindy and Hayden and Julian and, and all of you who have cared for our children in the children's ministry and discipling. I'm so grateful, but it's on me. Whether it happens or not is on me as their father. And we need to understand that. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm just going to let my kids grow up and make their own mind about religion? They're going to make up their own mind. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's not what the Bible says to do. The Bible is very clear about who we need to be. Right? Look, look what it says. Well, number one, in our text, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's, that's not a give them an option here. Look at Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Right? Does, it, does it say, hey, you know what? Give them some options. Let them figure it out. Nope. Train a child in the way they need to go. That's the loving, godly command of Scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart Can I just give you some some very practical applications here, dads? I'm almost finished. Let me ask this. What do you value, men? Fathers, do you value hunting? If you value hunting, you know what? Your kids are probably going to value hunting. Do you value a basketball team? There's a good chance your kids are going to love that basketball team, right? Football team. They're going to love the things you love. The question for us this morning, fathers, is, Do you love Jesus and his church? Do you love Jesus and his church? Because I believe if you do, they will. I believe if you do, they have a greater chance of loving and being obedient. If they see you loving the Lord and his church, and I I just pray that you're letting them see you. Let them see you pray. There have been times when I've been praying and, and my, I hear my kids coming down behind me in, in the stairs and I, I'm tempted to go, oh, hey, and stop praying. I've, I've stopped doing that anymore. I want them to see me pray. I want them to see that dad is talking to the father. I want to model that in their lives. Let them see me serve. Let them see me love their mom. Let me see them uh let them see me honoring my own parents or being kind to strangers or witnessing, talking about Jesus. They need to see this. They also need to see my mistakes and my desire for forgiveness and grace because they need it to. All of those things need to be modeled in our parenting. I also believe it's important to be faithful to this family we call the church. Fathers, if it's not important to you, it won't be important to them. It's just that simple. I had a a friend who I was talking to, and I said, you know, where have you guys been? I hadn't seen you in a long time. He said, I can't make their mom go to church. I said, I understand that. No, you, you can't force your wife to come to church or to be involved in city group or life in the church, but you can do those things with your children. See, he was, he was determining what he was going to do on Saturday night based on how his wife felt. Honey, he would literally say, honey, are we going to church? No. Men, be men. God is calling us away from Passivity to strength in Jesus, to being the men God is calling us to be. It's not a decision on Saturday night. It's a decision right now. Who are you going to be? What are you going to love? How are you going to value Christ and his church? I'm not talking about just a church service, okay? I'm talking about the body of Christ, the family of God. When you bring your kids to our children's ministry, they're not just coloring back there. They're making disciples of those kids. Our student group, they're making disciples of those kids. Bring your children to be discipled here so that we can help you with that. Our city groups, involve your students, involve your kids. This is discipleship, our service. Equip, help equip your your kids to become disciple makers. I heard the other day we got some of our students involved in triads. I bet we have a lot of adults right now that even aren't involved in triads. And some of our kids are doing triads because that's what it means to walk in everyday discipleship with other people and to make him known. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. In other words, you need to internalize these. It's not just some statement you make. It's not just some faith you believe. This ought to be internal to who you are. And when it's internalized in your heart, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What do you think Moses is trying to say here? Your life in God ought to be completely immersive. When you know Jesus, it ought to be about everything you are. Your kids ought to know it. Your neighbors ought to know it. Your coworkers ought to know it. And we raise our children in the way of the Lord. Moms, I want to just say this and just a couple of side notes here as we close. Just because you are not held responsible, as responsible as, as fathers are in this text, doesn't mean that you are not hugely, equally involved, if not more so, in instructing and discipling and disciplining our kids. Most likely you're more involved than we are. We cannot do this without you in our marriages. We need you. You are valued, you are loved, but the responsibility is on us as fathers, and I pray that as men we will hear that today from God's word. Somewhere in the culture of our world, the responsibility of fatherhood of raising our kids, of disciplining our kids, discipling our children. It hasn't been lost. It's been abandoned. It's been a willful choice. In the same way, I pray that the fathers of South City Church will make a choice to honor the Lord and take on this responsibility for their family's discipleship. Man, this is what I think it needs to look like, if I'm honest, as we close. I think it needs to look like repentance whether it's in this altar, whether it's before your children and with your wife, whether it's at home every day, saying, God, I want to learn from your word what it means to be a father, what it means to disciple and raise my children. Lord, I want to learn, help me. Single parents, can I just say this to you? Know that you can raise amazing children in Jesus as a single parent. Paul commended uh, Timothy because of his mother and grandmother raising him in the word. You're a single parent. Praise God for you. Continue to, to lead your children to the word. I want to read this last quote from Tony Merida. He says, The first picture of God that children receive is from their parents. They will get a sense of authority, love, protection from their parents. As they see and treasure this example, it will inevitably point them away from the parents, to the ultimate father. Even when you fail to reflect God before your children, you should teach them how to repent and receive grace from God. Are they learning humility and repentance or hypocrisy from you? That's a a convicting question, isn't it? Children, obey and honor your parents. It's right, it's a command of God, and it's also the best thing for your life. Moms and dads, remember what matters most, and it's not sports. It's not even school. School's important. It's not even homework. It's not a social life. No, it's discipleship of our children. That is the most important thing that you are called to do in their lives, to raise them in knowing Jesus and making him known. May we parent with patience. Kindness, humility, steadfastness, consistency. May we be strong in our discipline. Because we love. We love in discipline. It comes from love. And may we be intentional to disciple our kids with our own lives as examples, as models. And commit to lead them to Jesus, to teach them his ways. Fathers, I'll close with this. You're not alone. You're not alone. I have a coffee cup, and it just says, reject passivity. I like that. Reject passivity, men. Rise up. Know your mandate. Know your call. Know your purpose. And let's raise our families in a way that would honor Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for your word. God, I'm convicted by this word. I can feel in my my own soul the effects of the fall. I can feel in my own soul the effects of the curse. And as men, we struggle with our work and our significance and our ego and a desire for respect and all these different things that just swirl around and in the the tornado of who we are as men. But God, I pray that we would just seek you. We would humble ourselves. We would ask for repentance for the places we have not fathered and led well. That we would, Lord, that you would teach us what it means to put steel in our spines, conviction in our soul, and a vision in front of us about who our families need to be. No matter what age we are, God, we can continue to lead and parent and encourage and be the example that you want us to be. Lord, for moms, thank you for our wives. Thank you for moms in this audience. God, thank you so much for the way they lead and love and care. We are a team. God, thank you for children. What an unbelievable blessing they are. Your word says that they're arrows. Arrows that when, when you have a quiver full of them, you're such a blessed man and you can, you can fire those arrows out into the world to do damage against the enemy. That you don't have to be ashamed when you speak with your neighbor, your enemy at the gate. The Bible says, no, you've got a quiver full of arrows ready to take this truth And fire them into the world. God, I pray that we see that need. That we are ready to release our children into this world for the cause of Christ. And that the greatest thing we give them is you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our families. By your grace, help us to lead the way you've called us to. We pray it in Jesus' name.